You're now tuned in to Never Jaded Podcast, giving flowers to Asian creators. I'm your host, Robin. And I'm your other host, Kyle. Join us as we get inspired by artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs from all walks of life. And remember, everyone, never jaded, always motivated. Let's get creative. Hey, how's it going, Betty? Welcome to the show, Never Jaded Podcast. Hello, Robin and Kyle. Thank you for having me here today. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Since me and Kyle started this podcast, podcast format, you know, that's catered towards creatives, you know, um, I even noticed that on our Instagram, like there's a lot of these, uh, coach, uh, type of figures popping on mm-hmm. our timeline, you know, like a lot of, uh, life coaches or career coaches that, you know, cater to a lot of the, the, the creatives and artists of this, mm-hmm. of this world, you know, and, um, I noticed that, you know, you, 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 you followed us early. You followed us early. I see you popped up on our early timeline, supporter. you know, so I follow back and I see, I see some of the stuff you, you were doing. And, you know, as someone who's also a creative, I'm very interested in, in this kind of field. So, um, just to start, why don't you give the audience, can you, can you tell us like a little bit about yourself and what is it that you do? Yeah, great. Um, so I am a multifaceted creative and I'm also a coach for creatives. And by multifaceted, I mean, there are really three things that I mainly do. One is I make films and videos. And for my day job, I'm a fundraiser for small nonprofits. And then recently I also became a coach, a career coach specifically for creatives. Um, And I think like you said, us we actually connected through Instagram mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that like is also new to me like I echo completely to the point that like there are many many coaches out there uh, and and it's definitely something that like worth like kind of exploring a little bit more about like and I I, I myself like kind of post content about like what is coaching and like trying to like make it more clear for creatives out there looking for support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it seems like this life coach slash career coach thing um, is sort of a new thing. Like I haven't really heard it like, until like the last few years, you know what I'm saying? So um, what exactly is a life coach or a career coach? Is there, or is there a difference between those two? Um, yeah, why don't we start there? Is there a difference? Yeah, so like, it's interesting that you mentioned like this, what you just said is not new to me. Like I think mm-hmm. for creatives, uh, uh, coaching is quite new on the landscape. Mm-hmm. But if you ask like people who work in corporations or uh, in business, coaching is nothing new like oh. it's really a tradition that like I think started in the 60s or 70s mm-hmm. uh, and usually what happens is that like people within like a large company hires an executive coach and coach their like uh, senior executives that's how the tradition kind of started and so in the last like uh, I would say five years though coaching sort of exploded on the online space uh, and that's when, like, we started seeing a lot of, like, IG coaching <laughs> happening, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And to answer your question, 
life coaching, career coaching, whatever coaching is, it's just kind of like a different kinds of focus, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what the coach's expertise is. Um, and there is like a dif- difference between someone's expertise and their coaching methodology. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would pause there. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, could there be a coach that could be like a life coach, a business coach, and a creative coach? It's just, what if they're like multifaceted and can, would that make sense? Or it really, these kind of coaching, you should really cater to one specific thing. Cause I'm, cause sometimes when you think about a life coach, you would think, oh, it should encompass everything, right? Because it's about your whole life, but then it seems like there's separate branches now. So can you just explain like, can it be where if you get a life coach, that's good enough for all your needs or what is it? Why do you need to specifically get a creative coach per se? Yeah. So this is where I would kind of distinguish like the coaching like methodology and kind of area of expertise. Like technically, if you are a trained coach, you should be able to apply the methodology to any setting. Like, and it's like a like a hotly debated kind of like topic in the coaching space too. Can you not have the area subject subject matter expertise and still coach someone in that? So I don't necessarily need to know like what you're going through in life, but I can still apply the like methods of coaching to coach you. Um, I would say like my personal take is like, ideally the person still needs some sort of like background. And this is why I uh, kind of grounded my practice to the, to an area that I feel that I have lived experience and also, uh, uh, expertising uh, because I just don't feel comfortable, for example, go out and coach someone in the startup space <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, coach them without completely knowing how that world works, right? Some people are though. So uh, it really ranges in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense, you know, because, uh, you know, when you brought up the business, um, that makes a lot more sense because, you know, I, I do hear about all those like, you know, you hire the consultants to uh, train their sales team, you know, things like that. So um, what you're what you're saying is kind of that figure, but more in the creative space for uh, creatives uh, trying to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, sort of. Yeah, I would say the distinction between like a consultant and a, because my day job, I'm also a fundraising consultant. That's why mm-hmm. I sort of know that uh, I, I'm careful with, between the distinction between a consultant and a coach. Like consultants really should be able to fix problems for you <laughs> or oh, provide okay. like yeah. some sort of like guidance for you to fix problems. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I would say, and this is re- totally because like the space for coaching is unregulated. So like truly anybody can call themselves a coach today, mm-hmm. even without training. Uh, but let's assume like for the ones that do have training and are doing things like uh, in an integral way, um, coaching should not be me telling you what to do with your life or your career. It really should be uh, much of a process of facilitating you to figure out the answers on your own. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just here to sort of like giving you the support and pointing you to the right direction or 
not even, maybe it's like guiding, reframing certain things for you so that you can see like a, a wider spectrum of possibility. Yeah. Um, as someone who, you know, I've actually thought about getting a life coach before, you know. Uh, oh, really? Well, well, in the same, in the same uh, regard, like, you know, like getting a therapist, you know, like these are things mm -hmm. I've thought about, you know, because I'm at the age where it's like, yo, you know, maybe I can't do it all on my own. You know, maybe I mm -hmm. do need to um, speak with a, uh, someone. Professional. With, exactly. So as someone who doesn't know anything about these things, you know, like you said, um, any, anyone could be a life coach. So I have so much like skepticism, right? Um, what, is, like, how do you know what's right for you? You know, like in terms of like, cause you know, in, in therapy, there's like, it's more regulated, right? Like that you have to go to school for that. So, um, if, if, if someone's trying to get their mindset right, you know, um, why wouldn't they go to say like a therapist first versus um, uh, some sort of life coach, career coach? Like, um, how do you know what's what's the right path for you? Is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say I with you completely. When I started looking for coach, yeah, I was so skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the? Yeah. Like, it's there's a lot of also like confusing messaging out there, mm -hmm. uh, and. And here's what, like, I, I think that's a two-part question. So uh, I first answer what's the distinction between coaching and therapy. Mm -hmm. um, having received, like, coaching myself and therapy, like, help myself, like, on both fronts, my take is that uh, therapy's main function is healing, right? The, it's about kind of how to dig deep into not just your what's happening now, but what's happened in the past to reframe some of the narratives so that it can help you now. Coaching is not about going back to your trauma and looking in the past. Coaching's first step is really like, we are already where we are now. Where do you want to take what you have now towards kind of the, your preferred future? So in terms of that, there's like a temporal difference right there. Mm. Uh, and coach should not, uh, and, but I can't promise everybody won't. Uh, I would be very careful if uh, someone that's proclaimed to be a coach uh, claimed that they can do therapy work, uh, mm. right? So that's one like suggestion that I would give people who are first like, like for the first time looking for coaching is that mm. they should um, be able to distinguish whether it's a therapist or a coach where on their kind of whatever marketing they're promoting. Uh, the second thing, so that which brings me to, I think the second layer of what your question is like, if mm -hmm. you're looking for coach for the first time, what are the, some of the things that you should be careful of? Uh, I would say that like, like for my, for example, if you've been like kind of looking for coaching support for a couple of times already, you would be able to like kind of articulate exactly what you need better because you're already familiar with the process. For the first time, I think it's important that uh, you're able to have a um, chat with whoever you're looking like. Coaches always do discovery calls, so interview them basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah and see whether this person, first of all, can connect with you. If 
like the way that this person listens to you, respond to you, is not echoing with you at all, then there's a problem right there. Because like a lot of the, what the coach to like do is to listen and be able to discover the problem that you're trying to solve with you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is see that on the first call with the coach, be able to see through you more than yourself in some way. What like, do you mean by that? Um, a lot of times I find that people come to coaching or when even when we come to go to see a therapist, we're not, we're not necessarily able to articulate the problem and that's okay. Right. Like think about the first time you uh, interview a therapist or like you're trying to find help. Usually we go with our emotion. We're not going to be able to come with like a laundry list of like, here's what I think you should fix for me. Mm, Sometimes mm. people do do that. And I think that's another way that they should. Right. Um, so, sure. yeah, go ahead. So in yeah. a sense, it's kind of like you want that person, that coach or that therapist to be able to read your mind in some sort of sense. We're not saying they should know all the answers of what you're trying to figure out, but at least could I have a clear idea of seeing patterns or any sort of like, you no know, links to past like conversations about whatever they're struggling mm -hmm. with to see what they need. And I think uh, Robin echoes like a good point. Like we don't know who, who to look for, but the other part is we don't know really what would be the process be like in a mm -hmm. coaching session. Cause I don't think people really like to talk about that because obviously everyone's coaching session will be different because it will be catered towards that individual. But for like those that are seeking out uh, coaching, what can they expect they would be like uh, be doing or have to be put through like, is there like a standard process regardless of methodology or kind of like what kind of key things you think you should be able to know that, Oh, I'm going to do in a coaching session. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Like I, I appreciate that you kind of naming that like everyone has a different method, but I think that at the minimum, like there is like a, a some sort of process that, Actually, just today, I was like kind of synthesizing myself and I kind of said, like, I, I realized there's like an A, B, C, D, E process. A being that like accepting, the coach should be able to accept whatever state you're in and see where you meet where you're at. B is building awareness. So kind of what Kyle said, building awareness of thought patterns with like the first step for change is like you building awareness with how you think, how you behave. And C is like kind of creating a new possibility. Uh, so now that you know what's the existing status, what is like, what are we trying to move toward and clarifying what the intention is. And D is developing more capacity and developing an action plan towards that goal mm. and intention. And last but not least, uh, the last part is really optional. Like sometimes like a coaching program ends and like I've been to coaching before that where it really ends with like, I got more clarity and I walk out. But like some coaching program also includes the last step with experiment with the action plan that you develop with the coach. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, in context of career coaching, you might want to go out to like trying a job interview, trying a new job. What is the new things that I'm bringing? How am I showing up differently? And things is going to happen. Like you're going to have to experiment and tweak. So that's where the coach can also be helpful. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I think I'm getting a lot more clarity, you know, on the differences of, you know, like say if you if you're if you're looking for a therapist, it's more like looking behind you and the past and trying to process all your emotions of things that already happened, right? Whereas a coach is more like, you know, it's like sports, right? It's like the NBA, you know, you hired a coach because we're trying to win the championship, you know? So it's like, what do we have here? Um, how do we make this work? You know, how do we add pieces into our life so we can get a little closer to success? Am I kind of hitting the ballpark there? <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh... You know what? I had a feeling that you're going to bring up sports as a metaphor. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I of think course. I did. Easiest reference, I, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the easiest, like, kind of where my go. I, I, I think when I started looking for a coach, I also thought about that, like, mm. part. And I got really scared because I, oh my God, what if the coach yells at me? Like, <laughs> I always imagine someone would yell at me in a coaching yeah. session, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, like, what I would say the difference with, like, you know, what you imagine, like, a uh, sports coach or team coach is that like the individual coaching is you define your own success mm. the coach should never push you towards a direction that yeah. you don't actually want exactly yeah that doesn't mean that like the coach should like not stretch you mm-hmm. and or sometimes appropriately call you out on your blind spot yeah. but like let's say like it's not your goal to uh make ten thousand dollars next month why should the coach kind of you know push you that way yeah so that's that's the difference like i so, would say that's the difference yeah so since we're talking about sports and 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 different styles of coaching um what kind of coach are you you know are you a are you a are you like a the nice the nice guy or are you like a no nonsense like no bullshit <laughs> or, or you you really become the type of coach that your clients would need like because you can assess oh they need these kind of coaching so you cater mm-hmm. towards that or you're always like i'm this kind of coach and that's how i'm gonna run the run the game plan you know what that just like make me fall of like one like class that was the hardest to learn you know in my coaching training where i got trained was that we had to practice like listening for like the longest time like mm. and initially people thought like how hard is it like everybody at the program is a good listener but can you really listen to the person without any of your thoughts and your own agenda intruding mm. try to exercise next like i'm sure you guys do that too because you're a podcaster right i do it uh, all the time <laughs> <laughs> So like I, I said that because when Kyle mentioned it, it's like, I guess, yes, like in some way you always need to kind of become on the client's agenda and like mm-hmm. change your style accordingly. It's sort of like coaching is not teaching teacher, but like teaching, but like if you, a good teacher should also like be able to adapt to the learner's style. Mm. Um, like let's say if like a client is someone that like they come in and they're very structured. They want to have a plan. I'm not going to like, and I sense that that's the way that they respond to things. Then that's the direction we go. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes I got like, you know, I get calls where things do get very emotional. I'm not going to just rip our Excel sheet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it really depends. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So on the flip side though, what is you know, like as someone who's looking, if you're looking for a coach, right? Like 
how do you make yourself coachable? You know, like what's the, mm-hmm. what's the, what's the best, what advice would you have for someone who is looking for a coach? And you get, you get what I'm saying? I love that question. I love yeah. that question. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're already looking for a coach, you deep down know that you need help in some way. Mm-hmm. And it is okay that I, this is how I describe, <laughs> you're going to the sports metaphor again. <laughs> I would describe that coaching session feels a lot like a workout mm. because it's, if it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable in some way, then it's probably, you're not probably not doing enough work or the coach is not doing enough work with you. Mm-hmm. So meaning like, don't expect going into the process and you're not going to feel uncomfortable in some way, whether that means some emotions are going to be brought up, whether mm-hmm. that means like some things that you, some things that you've told us like true to your belief or your values, maybe there's another way to think about that. Um, I would say that is the key to be coachable. Be prepared to be uh, com- this slightly uncomfortable and then the mm-hmm. coach should be able to facilitate you to hold that space for discomfort even longer. What sort of goals are creatives coming to you for? You know what I mean? Like what, what, what do they need coaching for? You know what I mean? Like what, what are these things? I, I almost want to ask you first. I'm curious, what do you think creative will come to me for? Um, I think it could be, I could, I think it could be something very like, money like you know something very oh, you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like Business i want more side. money i want to you know like a very surface level um uh i want to i want to get this job or you know mm. or it could be very like it could be more complex and deep like say um i want to get over imposter syndrome you know what i mean like what are what are so what, are, what what i'm trying to ask is like what are common things that str- creatives that you find um struggle, struggle with, with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked that question because that I asked you back that question because mm-hmm. like I think that we all sort of like get a sense what my creatives struggle with as creatives mm-hmm. ourselves on this call, right? So usually like when they come, it's about stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to hustle anymore. Uh, how can I make it? Or like, how do I have time for my passion projects? These are things that like, when I name it, like, like I can already sense like people would go like, oh yeah, sure, of, of course. Um, but I would think, I would say that like, once we go a level deeper, we, we see like often is, there's a common struggle of like, especially my target audience and kinds are like kind of like early mid-career creatives. There is like a common narrative of like, they started like kind of the, their career thinking that, oh my God, I can't believe that I have this career. Uh, it's so great. And then after a couple of years, like in the initial couple of years, they are willing to kind of like do everything to make it work. So at some point, a burnout would happen. Uh, and because they're kind of fitting their opportunity and the way, like they're fitting everything to make it work, 
they actually stop seeing the point or like the passion mm-hmm. or stop doing the thing that they they love anymore they started creating like this like interesting mental equation of like if i were to do let's say like i'm like a writer if i were to write it better be paid so other than like a pay gig i'm not going to do any of my own writing like mm. or um why aren't people like giving me this opportunity like there's like a lot of like questions that started emerging that really enough at the beginning of their stage of their career they would never have asked that mm. so that's usually the narrative that i see people coming right. to me um if i'm listening correctly what like the problem be just they've been working for a few years now but now they're finding they're in a space where they're very much limited to a box where they can't escape want to do more that's outside the box and that's why they're seeking help and also at the same time mm-hmm. that box is kind of where there's too much going on in that box that they want to just go step out and not hustle as much or like be able to do how they want to do things because i think when you're in the box is like you got to do things a certain way only that way is that true yeah i like the box metaphor a lot i i i use that a lot as well is if i were made extended metaphor is like sometimes we don't see whether the we are we are overwhelmed by is this box like ex- imposed by my external environment or imposed by myself that's where like there's a lot of work to unpack like how much of it is like I can control and change and how much of it is the external uh, reality. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that coaching is helpful is like connect. How can we kind of change or not necessarily, sometimes it's not about change, just clarify internal narratives and connect the dot to the external mm-hmm. reality. I mean, it's it's interesting that you brought that up because then everything you said, like I, 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 I can relate to it for sure. Um, do you think a lot of it is very mental? Right. In, in, certain, in terms of like it's a it's a state of mind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us, you know, go through imposter syndrome. Right. So um, like how you said, like coaches are not really there to try to, f- quote unquote, fix a problem uh, rather than direct you in kind of in, in, in a clear way. Um, how would you go about like dealing with something mental, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, or let's let's go with like imposter syndrome. Like say someone clearly has a lot of like imposter syndrome and they're doubting themselves. Um, what are certain things that you might start with? Like, how would you deal with that situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that the, to your first question, like how mm-hmm. much of it is mental? Mm-hmm. I do think like, I. Uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint like a ratio, but I do mm-hmm. think that mindset plays a huge part. Uh, but I don't think it's okay for like, if for a career coach at least, I like for my personal perspective, I don't think it's enough to just say, let me solve your imposter syndrome and you have an excellent career. Mm. <laughs> uh, that I, I would not get that coach. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Needs to be rooted in your, reality like so if you have like a, a job coming up how does the imposter syndrome going to hinder that interview mm. like we need to talk about that right mm. so like we need to again it's the connecting the inside with the outside uh so to answer your second question if someone 
a lot of like, if I realize a lot of like kind of your blockage is the mindset piece, then again, my approach would be kind of connecting in the context of where you're now. How, mm -hmm. what kind of evidence in your career kind of gave you that reinforcement of the imposter syndrome? Mm. And what kind of evidence can we find in your career right now or create evidence to prove otherwise? That's one, one angle to it that I would kind of discuss with like, if you are my client mm -hmm. um, and, and then like full session by session, they really like them. There's kind of like the personal aspect and all that that comes in. So sometimes it is a little bit harder to like distinguish just the career and life, mm -hmm. but we will kind of contextualize it in building like the awareness of how you come about to turn a thought into a belief and then into a value. And how can we detangle that? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, wow. It's, it's amazing. And I'm hearing all of this is just, I'm just thinking like, I, from what I hear, it's like coaching isn't really just about like removing those barriers that you have built up in your mind, but more so like even having those barriers, you have ways to kind of mitigate it and kind of walk through life and succeed though with those barriers that you have a part of you. Like, you might not completely get rid of your imposter syndrome, but you know how to work with it so that it doesn't hinder you. Is that the correct way of thinking about how coaching should lead you to, Betty? Yeah, I just want to steal your words. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I just need to like capture that words. It's great. Yeah, I I think that's exactly it. It's, it's like there's like a high level of realism that I would like to say in coaching. Mm. It's like we're not like saying like this would magically take away all the, all the obstacles mm -hmm. um, and that you face in your career. Like the transformation that like I say for clients is not about like, like from this point on every single interview I do, I would get the job. That's just not realistic. Right. But right. The, the transformation that I do want to deliver is if you do face with wins and rejections, how are you going to hold space for yourself so that you continue to carry uh, the mindset that will sustain your practice? I think and I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna bring it back to the sports, okay? Because I think <laughs> I, love I it. think I love your persistence. You know what I mean? Because it's like, because yeah. like how I'm picturing it now, it's yeah. like, okay, we can't guarantee you the championship, but we can practice certain things that puts us in successful situations, right? Like yeah. foundation, you know, like techniques, mm -hmm. certain techniques. So when, when they, when it all comes together uh, and that situation arises, we know exactly what to do. So I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of parallels there with the sports. <laughs> all right. I, I'm starting to be convinced too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's just like the, how our media portrays like a sports coach, you know, <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that tough guy it doesn't need to be that um, <laughs> in fact the word that I always use to remind myself is uh, the phrase I use is gentle strength mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot like deeply about like how the change happen I don't think that like people really change when you like tear them apart or like you know and like give the like you know the tough love 
Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there is like a certain level of like, like, at least for myself in my experience, like the first step to like behavior change is always accepting. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're so you're no more the nicer coach. <laughs> that's what you're saying. That's awesome. I knew, I knew that's coming. <laughs> the full um, circle. Um, like, you know, we, t- we talked a lot about, you know, th- th- things that creatives struggle with, but on the flip side, do you n- notice like common traits for people that are like more successful, you know, like, do, do, are there, are there certain things that you see, um, across like creatives? So I would say like the, because success, as you guys know, is like so subjective, so especially mm. for creative yep. in different field, uh, I would say that like a couple, tra- if there are like common traits, I would say one is being able to like hold space for themselves and their practice is very important. So what I mean by that is like, we all juggle with a lot of things that the truth is like, as your career grow, like it probably take on more and more doesn't necessarily that you don't have space. And people who are very good at sustaining their practice, they will always be able to one, like do things that they love, that matter to them, prioritize those things. So if you're a writer, write. <laughs> if you're a filmmaker, continue to make films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you guys know that's like easier said than like, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the second thing is like, how can you hold space for yourself so that you are enough for yourself? That's I think for people who are quote unquote successful, that's another trait that I see is that they are able to set milestones for themselves and self like, and don't like always like chase the feeling of not enough. Like I think we almost fall into that trap way too often. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who can sustain that practice they are able to like, like, let's say like you're just starting out again, I'm using the writer example. Uh, it's not, maybe the milestone for you is not publishing a novel next year, but the milestone for you might be by the end of this month, finish like free article, like, and that is worth celebrating. Uh, mm. And Sometimes I, I say so, like I talk about celebration and like even I'm like this is cheesy, so cheesy, but it's true. Like we don't like being able to uh, recognize our own success is the first step to like kind of sustaining the momentum and the passion. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And instead of chasing for external validation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's almost like you know, because it, 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 I see you know, for me, I think a common trait would be like confidence, right? And and, and mm-hmm. in order to build that confidence, sometimes you need to start small, right? You need to have little victories, you know, and then and then have and then gradually grow up to like get the million dollars or get your book published, you know? So um I, I think that's what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Start small. Uh, mm-hmm. and like once you get to a certain like point it's not even about start small it's just like about like cons- how do you maintain consistency mm. if i were to at that point it's like people often translate that into discipline uh like we often see those like kind of productivity hacks of like 
or like articles about like 10 successful writers, what's their habits and things like that. I'm sort of like, for me, it's not about the discipline. It's about like, how are you continuing to have fun? How do you generate that feeling of like, whoa, that was great. <laughs> like, like, cause if you are just doing this because, oh, it's so painful, but I have to do it and check off the box on my habit tracker, probably not gonna work, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So so you're saying having fun is more important than just staying disciplined and not enjoying what you do. Yeah, discipline is overrated. Like, yeah. <laughs> you need really? to throw that out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why do you say that? Because I feel like, well, I don't know. I'm not a coach. You know, I've never been coach. But, you know, in all the things that I've done, you know, um, uh, success or discipline is in the formula, right? So, um, mm -hmm. how is it different in the way you see it? Yeah. So, uh, I can see somewhere here that we'll eventually go back to the sports metaphor, but <laughs> holds yeah. all that, uh, urge. Um, so I think one thing is because I trust that people who, uh, I work with already have a certain level of discipline. That's like, I should say that right out, right? Mm -hmm. You are frustrated with your career and stuck because you're ambitious in some way, whether like, and that's subjective to you. What does that ambition look like? Mm -hmm. So second part is that I think it's also, I see that you know, cut across no matter which culture, but definitely I feel it as like a overachiever Asian immigrants student that we like often equate hard work, equate, equal to resort and mm -hmm. hence discipline equals to resort yeah in that equation and i think this is why like in our community like we don't like therapy and coaching is like new like at least in the asian creator community mm -hmm. uh is that like we kind of miss the emotional aspect of that a lot like like think about the first like why you love what you do it's not because that like it was like oh it's so easy that i could do it every day <laughs> um mm. creators got into what they do because they in some way generated a feeling of like like whatever you want to call it stuff that you want to, you love excitement like there's this chemistry magical feeling that like i just can't find elsewhere mm -hmm. like what's the point of like continuing grinding if you don't get that feeling it's like mm. that i think that will be i think discipline will come if right. you're able to generate so that feeling more. it's not yeah. you're not saying you're not necessarily saying like don't work hard right but it's don't work hard if you don't enjoy it right so um, yeah where, whereas if you have the passion for something the hard work will come Right? Is that, mm -hmm. is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a very hard concept because you know, again, we're all Asian here. You know, I grew up mm -hmm. like we're, we're we're all Chinese, right? Like I f since I've been a little kid, I'm like, yo, we gotta outwork everybody. You know, like outstudy them, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. the only way to get better or get ahead is if I study harder or if I work harder, right? So. Uh, it's a, definitely a, a, a weird concept for yeah. uh, the Asian creative community. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would say, like, I really believe in what Betty have said. Like, discipline mm -hmm. is kind of overrated in terms of if you're expecting discipline will get you results. That's not necessarily the case. Because, at least with my experience, like, 
you could do really well at school with high grades and everything. But at the end of the day, in college applications or anything like that, there's always extracurricular activities. And with those, those are very intangible results, in my opinion, where you don't get a grade on thing. It's more you doing it. And sometimes even when you do it, it's still not enough. Sometimes they have extra, other people have extracurriculars that could be better than yours. Then mm -hmm. they get picked even when you have results shown on your report cards. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of frame it. Like yeah. Sometimes like the intangibles are even worth more than the tangible results you can get as a person. So I don't know how that applies to being creative, but that's how I see it. Yeah, like I agree that like our kind of education sort of train us to be like the perfect efficient like machine to respond to external validation, like great. And then, oh, I did well, like, you know, in that way, it's very kind of like linear. Once we get to like, no matter whether it's a creative career or like whatever career or just life in general, like it doesn't work that way as we all know. Mm -hmm. So like, how can you generate like internal awesomeness or like internal validation? <laughs> yeah. I got a question. I got a yeah. question, you know, cause we're talking about like, you know, um, people that are willing to put in the work, but what about people that come to you and in your eyes, don't have the work ethic is there, is there has there ever been that situation where where someone's like oh i want to be this i want to be this i want to be say like an artist or whatever right mm -hmm. but they don't really put in the work to become an artist so they don't have discipline in that regard um has there ever been a situation like that because i see a lot of creatives like that as well you know what i mean it's like okay you want to do you want to be this well like okay you want to be a filmmaker okay have you made any videos like no i haven't made mm -hmm. any videos you know mm -hmm. like so it's like well maybe start there put in some work right? or can we even <laughs> consider them as creatives that's another question though oh yeah maybe yeah mm -hmm. like, what, what, mm -hmm. where do you start with someone like that yeah you guys yeah. like to throw like four questions at once <laughs> <laughs> let me dissect that yeah, <laughs> yeah. let the coach so, do her thing yeah <laughs> so yeah. the so to answer like uh, Robin's question about like people who are like, I'm a creative, I want to be a filmmaker, but I haven't like, you know, I'm like, I haven't done anything. Um, this sort of why like, I, I'm, I mean, I, there are people who help like people at the very beginning of the stage. I think that I'm like super able to help for like people who at least have done like at least three years of, or five years of work. Mm because I also think that like the set of problems that people face when they're starting out very different. I think that at that stage, you're sort of still kind of like figuring out your career orientation. And it really takes a lot, like just trial and error, like you said, like putting the work, try something, fail, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't personally met that situation is what I'm trying to say. Though I do want to kind of throw, like as you were talking about that, I do want to kind of throw in kind of theoretical <laughs> comment there is I remember in uh, my coaching training, uh, one joke that we had was like, how many coach does it take to turn a light bulb on? What do you think the answer is? One, but only if the light bulb wants to be turned on. Ooh. So like, if you don't want to change, there's nothing that the coach can do like that's the honest truth uh you i i i have heard stories that people pay for coaching service and it's the same thing with like therapies in in some way like yeah. that you come out exactly the same person it's like 
there's probably not enough will there to to change or make a like make like to heal in therapy's case. Yeah. So that's one level. Forgot about Kyle's question already. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter at this point. You raised a really good point. Like, mm-hmm. if that person doesn't want to change on their own, the best coaches, the best therapists won't help them. And I think everyone should have that mindset. Where like, because we often hear like, oh, so many people want to change other people because they think they need to be changed or need help. But at the end of the day, we need to figure out that not everyone want to be changed by you or like at that time, they got to be at the right time at the right place and all that stuff. But then I think we are missing that piece for a lot of people like myself is like, I keep thinking, oh, there are people that I hope I could help change or I hope I could make them better. But at the end of the day, if they don't want it, you just got to leave them alone. But that's a hard thing to learn and kind of uh, digest that. Yeah, I think that's actually the hardest thing to learn for a coach uh, is that ultimately no one can change another person like only you can change yourself like in some way like you can get support to get the change but if you don't want to change no one can force you to and that goes right back to the accepting accepting part of like like if you don't want to be coached or you don't want to like you're good with where you are at like what right do i have to like try to change you and that just become judgmental, right? Uh, but it is it's really hard because like, I think the coach also need to doing a lot of work on themselves and saying like, you know, distancing themselves is not about like always, because coaches get good feeling when they're able to help other people. Like we are like, we like to be off surface. Mm-hmm. And so like when sometimes when that change doesn't happen, we really need to take a step back. It's what's happening here. It's like, maybe that's not needed. Yeah. Mm, don't overcoach is what you're saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, coaching and all that stuff, but let's get a little bit into like yourself, you know, um, how did you get into like this kind of career path or, or why, what made you want to get into coaching? Yeah. So, um, if you met me like four or five years ago, mm-hmm. I would never have thought like, <laughs> like coaching <laughs> with your public That would not come up in the conversation. Right. Uh, so like I have always worked in the arts um, and like everything from like arts admin to festival curator uh, and then also became a fundraiser because I was working in like film festivals. Uh, and so a couple of things kind of led me to where I am. Uh, one uh, is as I started like kind of working in different worlds, like, and also uh, I'm like very much part of like kind of the, I would say like Asian Canadian creator, like community. Like I've been thinking in the past year a lot about like where is my role to play and what impact can I have in the, like, in my career. The second part that kind of as a jigsaw puzzle that works into that is like for the longest time, I really struggle with like my multi-passionateness or multi-passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like looking at like more senior filmmaker, for example, the more successful critical or the more successful like arts, I mean, and I realized that it's like, 
oh my god I don't want their career (laughs) (laughs) I do not like desire the life that they have because I find that like I'm not just singularly interested in filmmaking or like going to Hollywood like like doesn't really appeal me as much uh for example which uh and then like becoming a more senior or like second director for arts organization did not appeal me as well. So I struggled in wallowing that for a couple of years and got coached as well. And what I realized is that I'm not just interested in like telling my own story as like a content creator. I'm also deeply interested in exploring other people's story. Like I'm just really interested in how can I help you like understand your, the narratives that you tell yourself and leave the narratives that you want. So in that way, I myself see coaching and storytelling go hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I realized that like, once I start practicing it, learning it and practicing it, like I also realized it's something that like, I feel like just naturally, like sim- similar to when like I paint or like make films, like there's like a natural magic to it. So. I get like very like energetic whenever I'm coaching people. So I guess I'm piecing what I love and like how I think about my impact. Oh, and I should elaborate on that. Kind of going back to like all the things that we've been talking to, I find that in the specifically in the Asian creator community, I find that there's not enough support for people's career. Mm-hmm. And like so many things, like just not just my peers, sometimes people who are entering the industry, like in conversation with that, like, you know, sometimes I get invited back to like school to talk about career and all that stuff. And I just find it's such a disconnect because like in one way I'm like, like we're always just showing like success story mm, to people yeah. without telling them all the back behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And like, I have not made it, kid. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the second thing is like, we are not kind of providing customized support and like first thing is like, because the narrative or cultural narrative that like I still feel it like looking for help is not natural to me, mm-hmm. right? So, so that's the part that I'm like, I think I can really like maybe what I love doing and like make an impact there. Mm-hmm. And I guess the fourth dimension is like, I do want to be able to have a multifaceted career just to kind of embody what I coach people which is you don't always need to like kind of follow one prescribed path anymore nowadays of all mm-hmm. if you're a podcaster that's all you do right if you're a writer that's all you do you can have options in your career mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds like you have a very open you're very open-minded and progressive and also creative you know um have you always been like that? You know, like, cause it's not, it's not common traits within like the Asian community, like you said, right. You know, so how did you get into the arts? Like how, or how did you become this, you know, uh, coach type of person? Yeah. <laughs> or, or we could start with like, what was the specific art or craft that you really got into growing up that led to all these things now? of your experience in fundraising, uh, filmmaking, and um, all these kind of art-specific careers that you have now? Yeah, so like I like I actually grew up in a somewhat artistic family. Mm. Like both my parents' side have like artists in different fields, like musicians, writer, things like that. So, but the, 
the interesting thing is like like none of my family can quote unquote be said like that's like a artist that has made it like they like some of them like like make a living making art but it's mm-hmm. not like famous or like reach right. or anything like those external standard so like there is like interesting narrative when i grew up as well that i'm like oh yeah art doesn't make a living <laughs> uh, and then like when i immigrated to canada like actually like in high school i always thought i would study business for like um for in, like that's the direction i was going for some reason my narrative at the time is like i'm good at math business makes a stable living. I can provide for my family. I'm going mm-hmm. to business school. It's easy. Uh, but what was happening was like uh, the immigration experience like created so much like isolation, loneliness, like the, you know, the usual things that bring to a kid. I was actually writing online uh, in Chinese at the time and I'm making friends on the internet. And so write, creative writing was my first foray to like a creative career, I guess. So I started publishing, I started making money, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And so most importantly, looking back, it was just kind of, for me, like a creative outlet, like an mm. expression. Mm. So uh, then what happened was like, uh, I actually, for university, just like before going to school, I decided, like I didn't actually go to like the school that like I, I thought I would get into. So since that when that happened i was like jesus might as well just do something that i actually like if i didn't reach my coin call like over achiever goal mm-hmm. and so i wrote to like the business like for the school that i did end up go to which is uh university of toronto i wrote to the business school which i got into and i said like I just want to do an arts degree. I'm going to take philosophy classes, English, and like cinema. Those are interesting. And I remember like whoever was the mean person was like, are you sure? <laughs> 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 like in some yeah. way, I like I just like flip uh, like like that decision changed my life. Even like my yeah. parents sometimes would be like, I'm really lucky they never kind of like give me pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh but they also kind of like didn't know that I was doing that. So like I like in casual chit chat, sometimes they would joke like I was like, if I knew that was what <laughs> you were like studying university. Um, so that and then like I got into like like explore or took all the classes that I wanted. Like sometimes people would like, like talk about university as if like it's like a painful period. For for me, it was really like freeing myself and like you know doing whatever like studying whatever I wanted and mm. then going to cinema studies then I think what happened was actually I just did not know in Canada like how it how difficult it was to like work in the arts yeah <laughs> because I just like did not do research in university I said this is so great cinema studies watching film and like you know write about them mm-hmm. and then like in school I also like started making films like and once I like it's the narrative that I told you guys earlier it's like I couldn't believe that I could work on something that I felt so passionate about so I just went all in I remember graduating and like started working in film festival and like and I was really actually happy that I got a job and 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 I remember this moment someone told me as I 
the starting salary for like a corporate consultant of like someone that just got like a new grad. And I was like, that's no way that's the starting salary for someone. I'm making like one fourth of that. Wow. <laughs> like I had no clue. I did zero yeah. research is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then but I just ran for it. So it's like, I guess I'm sharing this story because uh, thoughts only connect in like when you look back. At the time, really, there wasn't like a clear strategy. So like, this is how I'm going to make mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. right. So I just sort of like follow the the flow. And in some way, I did like, like in still today, sometimes that feeling is like, is this okay that I just like follow like new interests that emerge? Mm-hmm. I think that's where the mindset change comes from. Is like, in, especially in today's landscape, creatives have options. Like you can, like one start a podcast mm-hmm. and have, hold your own space. I can start a coaching business on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the narrative that I'm rolling with. You'll see. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, Betty, it's been great talking to you and getting your story. Um, for for the listeners who are open to um, learning more about what you do um, and maybe even seeking you out, like where, where would be the best place to connect with you? So uh, uh, everyone can find me on my IG, which is uh, lead.to.create. And uh, I'm happy to connect with people there. And you can also find resources there about like things that we talk about on this podcast. Uh, things that sometimes I rant about and stories of like inspiration that I share about. Mm-hmm. If you like to kind of check out uh, my website is sharebetty.com. Uh, awesome. And uh, with that said, um, that's it for our show. You know, like if you've been listening, you want to support the show, follow our Instagram at neverjadedpod and, you know, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to, man, you know, so we can bring you more cool stories like Betty here Mm -hmm. and connect with us, message us. We'd love Mm -hmm. to talk, you know, share tips and stories and all that stuff. So no, don't be afraid. We're pretty nice people to talk to. Right, Robin? Exactly. Super nice. Exactly. Okay. So with that said, um, Betty, we hope you all the best. We hope you, uh, get more championships for mad creatives. You know what I mean? (laughs) And with that said, we're out. Peace. Peace.